0: Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. And we're rolling. Hey, here we are. 100! 100 episodes. We did it. Oh my gosh. You were praying and I was like, this can't... I mean, yeah, obviously it's 100. Like, we've been counting up. Obviously, it makes sense. But like we're here. We did that. We're doing this. I honestly can't
1: <laughs> believe we made it to a hundred.
0: I I understand that we did. I just don't get how. <laughs> like, I mean I, I understand the technicalities, but like if someone came up to me yesterday and they're like, actually, no, that's the wrong number, you've done a lot less, I'd be like, Okay, yeah, sure, I believe you.
1: <laughs> At the same time, while I cannot believe that we made it to hundred, at the same time, if someone told me that we have done less, I'd be like, "I'm sorry." Then what has what has all this editing been that I've been doing <laughs> for the true. last two plus years? You've you done can't so tell much me editing. that it's fewer than 100. Don't, don't a hundred. Don't don't lie to me worker. like that, sir
0: or ma'am. <laughs> no, it's true. There has been a lot of work done on this podcast. <laughs> that is fair. Oh my gosh. gosh. Did you, in grade school, did you ever have a, like, a 100 day? Like, where you celebrated the number 100? No. No? I don't know why. I don't know when. I don't under, I don't know any of it. But we did do that. I remember in one... I don't even remember what grade. I just remember, like, one day we did, like, all, like, 100 things. Like, we tried to see how many, like... Our whole class had to do a total of, like, 100 jumping jacks or something. And then we had to, like, count all these things. And, and then there were, like, 100 treats or something to, like, parcel out between the class, like, I don't remember like all the particulars. I just remember being like, yay, it's, it's the 100 day. Like we're doing things. No, we didn't do that. Huh. Well, to whoever taught me then, good job. 100 was always a pretty important number. So <laughs> because of that.
1: <laughs> In my school, the only big thing that I remember of like significance was the Q&U wedding in kindergarten what yeah it was the letter q and the letter u had a wedding and they got married because q is never without you in words like the letter q is never really without the letter u so they were like <laughs> we're gonna have a q and U wedding and it was like this annual thing that they did and they had all of us come uh-huh. to school dressed up like we were going to a wedding so like a lot of kids broke uh-huh. out the like barbie bride dress <laughs> from like halloween <laughs>
0: I was going to say, I I just
1: had like a really frilly dress and I ended up being you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I was you and I got to be a bride. It's probably the only time I'm ever going to be a bride, but like I did it. I got married when I was five. I was a child bride.
0: Oh gosh. (laughs) Don't eat those. That's funny. That's so weird. I've never heard of such a thing. I do remember my cue.
1: My cue was Matt Fossinelli. Oh, my goodness. Yes. He went to um, private school shortly thereafter, so I didn't see him again until high school. Your husband left you? Yeah, my husband left me right after we got married. How does that make you feel? I mean, eh, it was <laughs> fine. Then in high school, we reunited, and he was like, oh, my gosh, we got married in kindergarten. And I was like, <laughs> I can't believe you no remember way. that. <laughs>
0: So, that's, so funny. that's crazy i know i don't remember most of the people from grade school i only remember the one guy i really liked tyler randolph wherever you are your mom was awesome i hope you're doing well um there were so many people in grade school though i never run that many people anymore Okay. I mean, I know, I know like people still do that. Like they have jobs. Like I've worked at Disney world. I interact with like hundreds and thousands of people a day, but like now that I'm working at home or remote, I talk to most people on a screen and I really only only interact with like five, three to seven people in a week because that's my family. See, it's funny that you say that, but like all of the
1: people that I went to elementary school with, I also went to middle and high school with. So like, I literally knew yeah, all of those people from fair. kindergarten through my senior year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hard to forget people that you mm-hmm. you saw every day
0: for like almost 18 years. That's, of their life. Okay, that's a really good point. Um, <laughs> definitely something I always forget as someone who d- was homeschooled after like halfway through <laughs> fifth grade. So that's fair. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> good call uh, out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, everything's just weird to me. So that's fine. It's okay. But
1: anyways, back to the matter at hand. Yes. We are
0: 100 episodes old Huzzah. today. We made old it. Old maids. Just the way we wanted it.
1: It's kind of crazy. You know, like, I mean, we talked about it last week, but like when we started this, we we just wanted to start talking and see what happened.
0: Yes. I feel like we're still doing that. Like, we open our mouths and we're like, let's see what happens next. Let's see what comes out. Um <laughs> We we knew we were
1: creating a podcast. We knew we were creating like an environment that was special for us to talk about topics within the church that tend to get ignored or skimmed over. And we were just happy sharing that with like our eight friends who would listen weekly. (laughs) Our special eight. Yes. (laughs) Our eight followers, our eight loyal followers. And now it's been like over two years and we've grown a lot we're on a podcast network now.
0: That's very true.
1: We've had incredible guests that we never thought we would ever speak to in our lives. More are coming
0: and it's just crazy. It's crazy. It's insane. Um I yeah, I definitely like when we started out on the podcast, I remember being like, let's just do something with this. We need more voices out there like and since I don't since we don't see enough voices, let's do that. Like and we'll bring in more voices because we're not the only ones who should be heard. So, like, the fact that we've had amazing guests, like, whether they're our friends and, and we already knew them or they were new people that we were bringing in and we were really meeting on the podcast, like, oh, it's been amazing. So, we are super, super grateful to anyone and everyone who's ever listened who's given us a time of day. You're amazing.
1: So before we get into everything today, we do wanna we do have one corrections corner. Yes,
0: something we
1: should have checked before, but I looked it up and we were both pronouncing this man's last name incorrectly.
0: We apologize.
1: We referred a lot to this talk from a BYU devotional called Agency Accountability and the Atonement of Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's what the name of the BYU devotional was. And it was by Ben Ogles from BYU. That is the correct pronunciation. So we apologize for pronouncing your name
0: wrong. We are thrilled to be new members of the Dialogue Podcast Network.
1: For those of you who are unfamiliar with Dialogue, Dialogue is a collective of independent and interesting podcasts who promote thoughtful, respectful, and engaging
0: inquiry and discussion into all aspects of the LDS tradition, thought, Arts and culture. You can support our podcast and others in the network by subscribing at DialogJournal.com. Subscribers receive special benefits like ad free episodes and bonus content. You can learn more at DialogJournal.com. So check it out. All right, so that's really the main corrections corner we've got for today. And then moving on into this fabulous episode, it will be our third Scandalous and Spiritual Scoop episode. We are loving them. They really just give us an opportunity to peek open like a little window into something weird or something really cool that we are learning about in the church for like any given reason. It's so, so amusing. We've learned all sorts of like weird things from rumors to facts and all sorts of things. I mean, we had to do this since this is our hundredth episode, so we wanted to do something fun, especially since we've done a quite quite a few heavy hitters so far. And I think we've I think we've had at least like three trigger warnings for our episodes this season, and <laughs> yeah. we didn't really mean to do that. Yeah, but yeah, so here we are.
1: Yeah, so get ready for something lighthearted, amusing, and a wild ride. You could say. We're keeping it 100 on this episode. (laughs) Uh, 100 puns. Okay. Anyways. so (laughs) Every time we think we're going to run out of things to say in these episodes, we find more things.
0: It just keeps happening.
1: The church is like an onion. It has so many layers. There's always more.
0: Every single time. Just like Shrek. Classic film, it really is a classic. (laughs) Goodness,
1: I think that's the one thing that the internet can agree on is that Shrek is a cinematic masterpiece.
0: (laughs) 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 All right, so moving on, as we dive in, um, we want to share a fun fact that we learned about the word of wisdom. Okay, so we know we've talked a dozen times, at least, about the Word of Wisdom with its nuances and everything, but this one takes the cake. Pulled from the book David O. McKay and the Rise of Mormonism, it says that he gently chided Apostle John A. Witso, whose wife advocated such a rigid interpretation of the Word of Wisdom as to prescribe chocolate because of the stimulants it contained. And so David O. McKay said, John, do you really want to take all the joy out of life? (laughs) I mean, first off, his <laughs> wife, uh, Sister Witso, does not represent all women woman in the church. Please note this. No. And I really love his response because it's like kind of like witty and clever, like without being like too like rude or anything. It's like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. Not at all. So I thought, I thought this was super funny. I am super glad that McKay, I guess, was president at that for just that moment to make sure that did not happen. And like, ultimately, it just continues to go to show how we all have our own idea of interpreting what the word of wisdom really means. And I continue to see this reflect like within media and people I talk with and everything like it, like we really do interpret it on our own. And it's it was really interesting diving in a little bit deeper into this because McKay had a a pretty liberal view of the word of wisdom um like he was shocking people at his time of like drinking coke and like eating rum cake and everything like some of those following stories were like everyone would like pause and like watch to see what he would do so then they could follow um like if it was at an event or something and then he'd be like wait like don't you want orange soda like we're not supposed to drink coke and he's like i no, I'm i'm drinking coke like i'm drinking my coke you guys i like i will go anywhere as long as i have my coke Kind of thing. Yes. That's how I feel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's so funny. There was
1: a family in my hometown in New Hampshire growing up that I don't know when, I don't remember what the like transition was because like at one point growing up with them, this was probably in like high school,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: they decided that chocolate was included in the word of wisdom because of like some like this quote I think and they claimed it was addictive and it caused bad habits and it had caffeine in it and caffeine was against the word of wisdom and not eating it was of the lord and they were so over the top and I was like I'm eating chocolate get out my face like I don't you do you I'm not I'm not a part of this Well, that's—I
0: don't know what religion (laughs) you're part of, but I'm not a part of that. (laughs) Because, like, if they're if they're saying if they claimed to follow based on that comment, then they're basing it off of um, someone's opinion and not Mm -hmm. and not the prophets, which is not necessarily a problem. Like, I don't agree with everything every prophet has ever said. It's just very interesting that they decided to go from that angle. Honestly, there are so many weird. uh, What's the word? Like, not myths. But like people have such strange ideas when it comes to being religious, like believing you can't eat chocolate because that'll be against the word of wisdom, not using face cards because those are of the devil and things like that. You're just like, okay, you do you. Just let me do me, please. Let me live my life. Okay.
1: (laughs) Just let me live my life and eat chocolate.
0: Mm -hmm. hey you can't believe anything you want to (laughs) so long as you prescribe to the notion of agency where you cannot force anyone else to do something else because we're not here for that amen and we will be in our chocolate all of the chocolate
1: okay so let's move on to the next one which is the history of the mormon ad yeah so i was thinking about this just randomly i'm like where did mormon ads come from i know that this came from our discussion a couple weeks ago during our purity culture episode when i shared a couple of mormon ads about chastity because i i think they're hilarious but literally i was like how did they start where did they come from how many were made like what's the tea so i did a little deep dive and i found out for all of you so let's get into it for those of you who are unfamiliar with mormon ads they were one-page posters that usually had a brief message and a scripture reference over a painting or an illustration or a picture, like a photograph, to inspire youth to make good choices. In the May 2018 New Era, Richard M. Romney of Church Magazines wrote an article titled, More, M-O-R-E, oh, Ads." <laughs> <laughs> oh my and it it covered the history of the mormon ad <laughs> this article also has some fun facts about some of the most well-known mormon ads in history and it's really fascinating like i was very entertained reading it so it says quote in the beginning an intern suggests including gospel oriented advertisements in the magazine a folded poster is stapled in the september 1971 issue The term Mormon ad is created in September in 1973 with the first poster labeled as a Mormon ad. With it, the magazine asks readers to use a single sheet of paper to share your great gospel ideas with other New Era readers throughout the world. Over the years, Mormon ads are produced as full-size posters, magazine page messages, tear-out cards, mobile device wallpapers, and even videos you can see a partial collection at mormonads.lds.org, end quote. So some fun facts about Mormon ads. They were originally full-page posters, but in 2000, they were adapted into four page size posters and videos. And then in 2017, they were adapted to animated GIFs. Wait, what?
0: Yes. I don't feel like I've seen those.
1: I haven't either. I need to look them up. I didn't look them up last night when I was doing this, but it's on the timeline. I I was, yeah. What? Anyways. Okay, okay. In 2012... To celebrate the age change of missionaries, the New Era accepted its first ever member-submitted Mormon ad. What? And now accepts submissions from members for new Mormon ads. No way. If you want to submit a Mormon ad, you can find guidelines in the article, in the May 2018 article, and then you can submit your Mormon ad on the church website. Oh my gosh, we have to do that, Tracy?
0: <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> oh wow. gosh. In total... There are 107 different categories of Mormon ads Mm -hmm. and roughly 462 Mormon ads that have been created. I counted them myself, so there may have been some overlap, but like roughly 462. The top five popular categories are Jesus Christ with 31, Scripture Study with 20, Service with 16, missionary work with 13, and individual worth with 12. So
0: there's your little mini deep dive on Mormon ads. Very nice. That is so funny. Okay, right off the bat, any ideas? No. <sighs>
1: Although I will tell you this one will probably blow your mind. Yes. So the, do you remember that one Mormon ad where it's like some a ballerina on like point? Mm-hmm. And then there's like those names. Right behind them, like on the either side of them, encouraging them to stay on the straight. nails yes. Okay, so those are two boards that someone had to hammer in all of those nails into those boards, oh. and then lay them on the floor. Mm-hmm. The ballerina went on point, uh-huh. and then they had to push those boards together, take the picture, move them, let her go down, and they had to keep resetting the photo like that over and over again. Whoa. I know
0: it's a lot of work that blew my mind.
1: There were others, but that one was the one that I like really vividly remember like oh, i
0: shit. I always think of the fly and the chocolate cake. I so. also always think of like <laughs>
1: the frog with like a crown. I don't remember that one. I don't remember what it says, but I remember the picture, and then I remember the the be your own kind of
0: beautiful, the one that's like a daisy and a bouquet oh of roses, gosh. so such a, mm. i'm I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah, I remember that though. I'm not gonna brush on flowers. <laughs> I like the <my> flowers. <laughs> but they could have been a little more creative, but that's fine. Oh, that's funny. Oh my gosh. Okay, I am gonna have to look into those because I think that'd be really funny. I just feel like mine would never get submitted because they'd be like, This is too chaotic. I'm like, that's the point, you guys. That's the point. <laughs> Maybe
1: that can be part of our merch. We can make our own Mormon ads and just
0: Tracy. We have to like, like some of those great um, small businesses. They're making the "We believe Cain was following." (laughs) I think David, (laughs) uh, someone's diary entry from the 19th century. They make the signs. It's great. Yes, we'll make our own signs.
1: We'll do Mormon ads. Yeah. All right. Okay.
0: (sighs) Ideas. Okay. All right, leaning onto a slightly more spiritual scoop really fast. Um, I was just looking into some temple information because why not? I'm always looking for just things to look at on the internet, I guess. I don't, I don't know what, what else to say about that. Um, but I was just looking into the Carson, Alberta temple, which is kind of really cool. So I feel like, like it could have like gone into all of our other temple episodes. But I want to share, share a few fun tidbits about that really quickly. So it was the first temple constructed out of the United States, outside of its its states and territories, at least. Then it was also the first for which the first presidency invited architects to submit their original designs. Cool! Right, though? Like, all previous designs had been, like, guided by Revelation. At least, like, that's what they claimed in everything. And until that time, all temples had been designed under the direct supervision of Joseph Smith or Brigham Young.
1: Oh, that's really cool, too.
0: Yeah, I just think that's like super fascinating. And honestly, I don't know if that's the way they keep doing it. I can't remember from our episode or how things might have changed recently, especially with all the temples that are like going under work now. And I know we referenced temples a good bit in our last series, but if we can make temples a little bit more original and allow more architects to be a little bit more creative with these temples, I think that'd be so amazing. And I think that's like a really, really impressive opportunity for architects. So cool. And then, sorry, one more thing. So on September 16th, 1995, the government named the Carson Alberta Temple a Canadian historic site, which I think is super cool. So the commemorative plaque on there, it recognizes the temple as a first consciously modern building in the province of Alberta. And I just think that's super cool. It means that like there were a ton of Canadian members who were needing a temple there early on in the church and everything. And it's played some kind of prominence within the community there, which I think is just super cool and very fascinating.
1: That is really cool.
0: Good job, Cardston, Alberta. Well done, you guys.
1: Okay. This one is a trip. Oh, my gosh. People are digging for Zarahemla in Iowa.
0: Ooh. (laughs) Iowa. This is
1: real. This is real. I'm not making this up. Iowa. In an article from the Iowa Starting Line, which is a website dedicated to reporting Iowa news and political information, the Heartland Research Group thinks they may have found the city of Zarahemla and are working on an archaeological dig to find it in iowa the heartland research group according to facebook because that's the (laughs) only way i could find information about this group really they are a collection of individuals who have come together to discover the archaeological setting for the peoples of the book of mormon That is pulled directly from their mission statement in their
0: Facebook group. So they don't have, like, even a website then? No. And they're completely (laughs) Mm self-funded. So it's just rich Mormons being like, let's dig. First up, Mm -hmm. in Iowa. Oh, wait. It gets weirder. Okay. Bring it on. Okay. What? (laughs) So
1: their goal is to find the outline of the temple foundation for the city of Zarahemla. The article said, quote, The Heartland Research Group is looking for evidence of ancient Zarahemla underground through light detection and ranging, which is LIDAR, a non-invasive remote sensing technology that can create 3D models and maps of objects and environments. This group is also using other technology, including carbon dating, magnetometry, and more to scientifically verify the site. Oh, getting fancy here. Okay. We have begun that effort and are not disappointed, Lefgren said. Lefgren is the, like, president of this group or whatever. He continues to say, not disappointed in the least. We're amazed. One method they hope can help verify Zarahemla's location is by finding fire pits. The group theorizes that with a population of about 100,000, there would be one fire pit for every 10 residents within a mile or so of the city center, end quote. So they started this dig on November 15th of 2021 and concluded on November 23rd of 2021. They also documented this dig oh partially gosh. on YouTube. Holy cow. Okay. I have a feeling that they're going to make a documentary about this because the footage that they had available on YouTube was edited into like a movie trailer sort of vibe with like the intense action music in the background. and Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Another quote from <laughs> the article. It says... There have been multiple trips to Iowa as part of this process. Most recently, the group spent 10 days near Montrose in November. About 40 people were involved in November's expedition, and they searched about 100 acres of fields with permission of the property owners. Landowners are compensated, and part of the agreement is that if they find anything of value, the landowner retains ownership of the item. The group, which is self-funded and made up of volunteers, is working with Russian scientists on the project, including Larissa Golovko. She is the founder and CEO of the Texas-based LandVisor, which specializes in geophysical research and technology. Golovko presented her findings from the expedition as part of a presentation for the Soil Science Faculty of Moscow State University on December 1st. This is apparently their
0: third Zarahemla expedition. Where were they where were they searching I before? I did
1: not look in to see where they were searching before.
0: I have so many questions.
1: On their Facebook page they had like a dig schedule. Yes up of like where they were going to be what they were going to be doing on each of the days they also have like other things on there their facebook page is kind of weird i'm not gonna lie like no shade it's just not my cup of tea does it have a cult vibe they had things like let's save the phoenicia like some ancient ship dig that's happening in norway and like a couple other things and they have like a bunch of gofundmes for like all of their little archaeological projects so like i mean good for them but y'all this is why people think mormons are weird
0: because we're trying to like map out where Hemla was mm-hmm. i don't know if it was that group i but i know there was one guy who funded a dig i think in south america or mexico somewhere in the americas trying to find proof of the nephites or someone and like he couldn't during like a, a couple year dig and like he ended up like leaving the church over it I don't remember any other particulars. We, we'll have to like come back to this some other time. I will find the information. But it, it's just goes to show that there are people who are actually like actively trying to do this. And so far, it's no one who is actually working alongside the church from my understanding of trying to do that. No one that we know of. At least that's not public. There's no church certified archaeological dig going in to find proof of anything which ties in interestingly enough because we've had apostles and even prophets kind of hint at and say or take back their words even in saying that like yeah the book of mormon was figurative it's metaphorical it wasn't really history the conversation around about whether or not the people in the book woman existed and if we can ever find any kind of sign or of proof of them, they go into so many weird like little directions. It's so weird and it's so fascinating.
1: It's one of those things where it's like, okay, I understand where people are getting the idea about it being... In like the Midwest, because one, there's like that story about like Joseph being in, I think it's Missouri and like finding, I don't know if he found like a skeleton or like an altar or something. And like the Lord revealed to him that this was like a fallen Lamanite or something. It might be like an old wives tale. I heard it in Institute years ago. I have never
0: heard of this before.
1: It's probably not real, but like there's that And then there's also, like, the whole... I mean, Joseph got the plates in upstate New York out of
0: the Hill Camorra. I'm actually surprised we don't hear more about people, like, trying to find any sign there. Because that's a pretty specific spot. Yeah. Compared to, like, everything else.
1: I don't know. I can see why people would want to be looking around America. But I also feel like if you're going to start anywhere, you should probably start with the Hill Camorra. Since that makes the most logical sense. Mm -hmm. Then again what do i know i'm not a
0: crazy person who's reading the book of mormon i'm just reading it Well, like that like further interest like um gets me interested in like okay like are all these people in this organization actually like practicing mormons how much history and experience do they have with archaeology like is this why they are doing archaeology like have they done other archaeological digs so they understand how that's supposed to go Is their interest really only national or international? Because if there's Russian scientists involved, like are there other people from different countries involved? Like what's their interest in, in this as well? Like how many of them are religious? There's just so many little like outline pieces that I'm so curious about. Man, Heartland Research Group, what are you guys doing? And why Iowa?
1: Why Iowa indeed?
0: I I mean, I guess like anywhere is a good (laughs) place to start
1: or keep going since this is their third day. Oh, I saw this on their Facebook page too. They have a map of, like, where they think Lehi and his family, like, where they hit the promised land. And they basically claim it's, like, essentially Louisiana is where they dock. Oh. And then settled from there. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I haven't either. But they made maps, and so they're, like,
0: just assuming everything is in the U.S. They, they, they landed in the marshes? I guess. Wait, I'm Googling something right now. Alligators in Jerusalem.
1: I mean they have crocodiles.
0: They have crocodiles. So I'm just trying to I'm just trying to imagine like how prepared they were for Louisiana.
1: <laughs> I
0: because I don't know. Every <laughs> everything I've seen takes them down to more um I would assume that they came to like
1: South America. They hit like Brazil.
0: Yeah, like the very top or like um
1: or like argentina down at the bottom like those are my guesses Mm. and then when like nephi flees his brethren he like goes north that's always been like my assumption and vibe
0: yeah no agreed like i always thought they landed like closer like in mexico or honduras i don't know that for some reason that just made sense at the time and then they would have yeah gone up like you said eventually But then again, I have literally no experience or understanding of how ships work would be the the most likely route or anything. I mean, I think some people have suggested even maybe like they went all the way around and landed in like LA. So I I don't know.
1: We're all just speculating at this point. Who knows?
0: But it is very entertaining.
1: It would be really funny if like at the end of this life, we go up to heaven, assuming we get in, and we ask Jesus like, so where exactly did Nephi settle? And he'll be like, Nephi who?
0: <laughs> Stop. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that was I'm like, what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> the reactions that it would do to so many people in the church. I mean, there'd be some of us laughing, but other people would be so upset.
1: I'm sure there are some people listening right now who just turned off the podcast because they're like, did she really just say Nephi isn't real? Nephi is real.
0: How (laughs) dare you? Oh my gosh.
1: Sorry. (laughs) It's not that I don't believe that Nephi is real. It's just that I think it would be funny if he wasn't. Yes. I have a very bad sense of humor. I am sorry, everyone. Anyways
0: okay um a another architecture thing fact i just i like this stuff
1: you're into architecture you're feeling um, the architecture moment yes
0: this is my moment this one's like super (laughs) short and basic though but i wanted to mention granite mountain so granite mountain is ranked as one of the top 10 most safest buildings in the world by terms of like security and everything which is like super crazy, like in the world. So it's like, you gotta like consider like the Pentagon, the White House, and then like Parliament and all the other locations in all of the world. And it's owned by the church. So naturally you think, okay, skeletons, dead bodies, and a lot of gold. That's clearly what they've got there. (laughs) That's my first thought. Treasure and Uh. all the skeletons in the closet. But apparently not. I mean, well, kind of. So the purpose of the building is to safely compile all the genealogical records of our ancestors. So kind of skeletons, but like figuratively. It is recorded that the church has the world's largest database of the human race with almost 2.4 million rolls of microfilm and 1 million micro... I'm not going to pronounce this correctly. Sorry, guys. probably microfiche. Microfiche? Okay, thank you. Yeah, so this, what is microfeast? I should have looked this up.
1: It's it's basically like microfilm.
0: Okay, a flat piece of film containing microphotographs of the pages of a newspaper catalog or document. Oh, I know what that is. Yeah, like, okay, yeah, so, like, so altogether, that equals about 3 billion pages of family history records. That is so many. <laughs> and like you know like we all know that we've got a family history program so whether you're in the church or not you can like search for your ancestors you can like go on like ancestry.com like you can like they're one of the reasons you can like do so many things to start like diving into and understanding your your genealogy and everything Like, I've been asked at work from people who are not LDS and they're like, hey, like, I have a genealogy question and I'm like, I'm not an expert, but I think I could actually find the answer for you because I've done some basic genealogy stuff before. And, like, we're all invited to do our own genealogy. We're invited to do, you know, like, temple ordinances for our ancestors. And there's always those activities where we're... um, where we're indexing for people who are not um around and everything. So like we're constantly like at add, like adding to it and improving it. Mm-hmm. I just think that's crazy. It's impressive, but it's like crazy. But it makes sense. I looked it up,
1: yes, because I wanted to see what it looks like because I'm that person. All right, describe it. Oh, I'm gonna show you, but I'll describe it. <laughs> okay. What? It looks horrifying. <laughs> that is not what I expected. Okay. I so. Basically, imagine like the face of a mountain with like three rounded holes, like half circle, entrances, rounded things. entrances with with like those pull down grates, gates. Sorry, those pull down gates that they have at like parking structures when they're closed at night, and then this like weird concrete ground like out front. It's it's super. It's giving me um mega. James evil villain vibes yes yeah um okay and so at the same time i was like trying to wrap my head around what this reminded me of and i immediately figured it out it reminds me of dr evil's lair in one of the austin
0: powers movies oh okay yep yep it's the same thing oh my gosh okay my first thought was um the first kingsman movie oh yeah, 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 yeah. the snow like you can get mm-hmm. in through plane and everything it it just oh my gosh i was yeah. not expecting that at all we're
1: gonna share that but, picture on our instagram but
0: oh so you guys goodness. can see it too because it's it's wild granite mountain it makes It makes sense. I mean,
1: yeah, but at the same time, like, why is it really giving me, like,
0: James Bond villain vibes? Like, it's – Because they're hiding more things there, Tracy. They just won't (laughs) tell us. And that's why – that's really why it's the safest building ever. You know,
1: sorry, another tangent, but it's connected, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) So, like – Bring it. There was this woman who writes for church magazines who wrote an article like like maybe last year and in it she wrote about how learning about church history has been like affecting her testimony and like helping her to... Like, it's been equally giving her, like, a faith crisis and helping her to, like, understand more about, like, God's purposes and stuff. And part of me wonders if, like, she had to go there to, like, get some of the church history pieces. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe she had to go to, like, maybe. the Temple of Doom in Granite Mountain and, like,
0: yeah, <laughs> go
1: through all of those files and maybe, like, roll it- maybe they were like, okay, we're going to take you to the archive now. And she was like, okay, great. And they were like... Pack a bag. We're gonna be gone for a couple days, oh and she was like, "I'm sorry, what?" Sorry, and what? then they roll this mountain, and she's like, "Am I coming to get murdered?" What? And then she ends up in like, yeah, in that lair, and she's what? like, "Oh dear God, what have I gotten myself into?" Like, I wonder if that's what happened. Yeah. Anyways, oh my, um, my imagination got the better of me, but you're welcome, everyone. Thank
0: you. Yes, <laughs> very important. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, that's crazy. Speaking of
1: villains. Hey. <laughs> Perfect segue. <laughs> well done, Tracy. Uh, You're welcome. I got you. Took me a hundred episodes. to so figured hey. out how to make a segue. Guys. There you
0: go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm going to go into the next one, which is more about the CIA and FBI recruitment. Okay. So we did actually touch on this briefly in our first scandals and spiritual school. Goop episode and so for reference that is episode 26 but I wanted to do a bit of a deeper dive and I looked into a few more resources because I always thought the CIA was the coolest thing I used to like watch all the crime shows and everything and I wanted to see if like this was like really true or anything like What do we know? So in episode 26, we had talked about how the CIA and FBI love to recruit members of the church because of, you know, how members of the church learn, have to learn their languages quickly. They have self-control in like every aspect of their lives and they are very good at following rules. There have been a lot of suppositions about LDS connections with the CIA. Is there proof though? I'm kind of taking back what I'm saying before because it's only so, so. So the agency has publicly said that they do recruit heavily at BYU because they are an academically impressive school and they do claim that the students are more mature, which I mean, would make sense in some contexts, especially since a lot of the college students there are like already there at a slightly older age after serving missions and everything. So it's been very interesting, but they haven't actually like gone out to say, yes, we deliberately want to hire Mormons. They, They don't go around saying that. So yeah, okay, here's some more things there has been rumors floating around um, with them the cia and fbi actually adopting some of the mtc training materials for language instruction um but then they haven't seen as much success because agents aren't given blessings for the gift of tongues like missionaries but, but that's just rumor that's just rumor you guys mm-hmm. that is a funny one that's what i was told in oh the mtc gosh, too that's really funny that's really just saying like well if you join the church then you can be a good cia agent. That's basically what he's saying become a member get the blessings become a good agent okay so but beyond all this there really isn't that much more proof i mean a lot of us do believe in that connection like i always thought that there have been others who actually also believe this so that's interesting so there are strong rumors that this is why the church has historically not always been welcome in russia There have been voices speaking out in Russia where they claim that LDS missionaries are sent by the FBI and by the CIA to fool and convert unsuspecting Russians. And that was, like, said publicly, so that's someone already thinking that. And they were someone who worked in the government. Whether it's true or not, which we don't technically have basis for, it is believed by other people in different countries then i do want to share one more interesting fact um and actually this just got a reference in a book i was reading um the other day which is super random but i've actually thought about the 2019 drama film the report with adam driver quite a bit since i watched it like three or four years ago when it came out have you ever seen that tracy i have not i've never even heard of it it kind of flew under the radar i think because technically it's based on the truth and most of the information that's discussed in the story is kind of swept under the rug. The movie, the report is based on a true story. One that went unnoticed in many facets, like when it first happened and even with the film going on. So driver essentially plays a CIA operative handling internal issues and such. I might be like super vague and kind of wrong on a few points, but he, he worked for the government and he was collecting information. That was his job. So he began collecting information about the CIA torture program used against Al-Qaeda. Two psychologists were hired to develop quote-unquote enhanced interrogation techniques, those they could technically use without them being considered torture. Immediately, you should be thinking like Guantanamo Bay, you should be thinking scary evil people, you should like be thinking this can't go well. And so you do hear the two psychologists talk in the movies, um, hired roles, of course, um, being... The two men, James Elmer Mitchell and Bruce Jessen. And so they were talking about how all these things that they could do to people to try and get Al Qaeda to give in, to get everyone that they were talking to, to confess all their information and everything. And I remember like watching that and I was like, this sounds so stupid. Like you are making this up as you go. It doesn't have any proof. And their strategies did not come with like solid proof. Like People are less likely to give in or turn sides, however you want to term it, when they are being pressured and forced and tortured. It is proven time and time again throughout all of history that when you treat people better, like real humans, for example, that they are more likely to uh, work alongside you and everything. But they were coming up with horrendous torture techniques. They just couldn't be termed technically torture. Here's the thing. Bruce Jessen in real life was a bishop. James Elmer Mitchell apparently didn't define him as LDS by like a certain stage when all this information came out. But he had been raised LDS as well. Additionally, in 2002, they had support from assistant attorney General Jay Bybee who said, Yes, let's do this not so-called torture torture program. And he was LDS. I knew that one. That was the only one out of all of them that I knew was LDS, yeah. No, I didn't I didn't know about him. I had just heard, and I remember it being mentioned in the movies, and it says they're Mormon, and I was like, that can't be true. They're making this up for the movie. Like, we don't believe in hurting people. Like, a psychologist, like, wouldn't support this. This can't be up. A- no, it's, it's true. So I did pull a line from mormonr.org. i believe that as you will. The site references Assistant Attorney General J. Bybee, him and his deputy, who determined that a significant range of acts were, while perhaps cruel and human or degrading, did not legally constitute as torture. So that's why they were permitted, essentially. That's the main information. The story kind of goes on and shows how Adam Driver's character, like, try to, like, be like, okay, like, this, this can't be allowed. This, this isn't allowed to, like, we can't do this. Like, let's not do this anymore. Let's kill the program. And eventually Adam Driver's character steals information, which is not allowed. (laughs) That's illegal. And he ended up sharing it publicly, which really happened like it was that we got a leak the information came out about this torture program and so like that's why we have their names and everything that's why we we know about all this but it's never been connected to the church at all and while i'm not saying like the church was like yes like this whole thing is okay the fact that there were members um most likely all three of them i think were active at the time and were okay with doing this to other human beings is very worrisome to me.
1: This is where I really struggle with the idea of working for the federal government because there is a there's a level of loyalty that they expect you to have to the federal government that makes you almost remove any of your humanity, any of your morals, like anything that you could, like if they're is a situation where they're like, it's either you're choosing the right or you're choosing the federal government. You better choose the federal government because it's going to be bad for you. And I just feel like that is so frightening and not okay. And
0: I, well, I was like looking more into like this related stuff and I was looking into, you know, like, okay, like how do Mormons like coincide like being snipers and taking active roles in killing and hurting other people and still call- consider themselves... You know, like, worthy to have the priesthood, worthy to go to church, to take the sacrament, to go to the temple. And essentially, like the church has said, like, you're not going to be held liable for what you were asked to do to protect your country. Yeah. So that's a vague statement saying, go ahead and do anything so long as your government is telling you it's okay to do. And you will not be held thoughtless for it. Which this. is insane. I understand Loyalty to a certain extent, but I don't understand the the entire removal of your agency because you've got to understand when something is wrong and you've got to be ready to say and be ready and willing to say no to something.
1: Well, like the thing is that like I know we watch action movies where someone gets burned by the government and then they're on the run forever. That happens in real life. Oh, all the time. Okay, so I went to the International Spy Museum for my birthday this past year. Mm -hmm. One part in the exhibit is about like spies that get burned Mm -hmm. and what happened to them basically. And there was this one story, I can't remember who it was, but basically they stood up to their director and they were telling them like, no, this is wrong. We can't go through with this. And their director immediately blacklisted them put them on like wanted alerts across the country and they had to like flee the country change their identity multiple times like they basically spent the rest of their life on the run because of this director who got pissed off because they were told that this was wrong and that the person didn't want to just like step in line and do exactly what the director wanted oh
0: my gosh
1: that's the real risk of working for the federal government. Like you like you just said like your agency gets taken out the door. The second you say yes, you have to just keep saying yes no matter what. Otherwise, your whole life is over and
0: you're screwed. Well yeah, you can even like look at like some veterans today they are not getting the help that they need for anything that they might face like mentally or physically from you know going to Afghanistan or something like the largest percentage of in the homeless or houseless population are veterans. That should not be allowed to exist at all. Like if the government wants you to do something like to fight for them, then they should be taking a little better care of you at the very least. If you needed more reasons to be mad at the government, we just gave you some. <laughs> You're You're welcome. welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You got one more fun one um, to kind of close on a more cheerful note if you want to take that away.
1: Okay. So this one is kind of wild. And I'm not going to claim that I know a lot about this because I truly do not. I learned about this yesterday. (laughs) <laughs> like the day before we started recording. So please know that I do not know enough. But this one is about how many of your favorite influencers are Mormon. So in an article for BuzzFeed News from October 1st of 2021 by Tanya Chen, it explains how most of your favorite Instagram influencers are Mormon. It starts by sharing a TikTok by Emily Kim. You can find her at and Stuff on TikTok, she is sharing a Venn diagram of the different types of influencers on Instagram and how the one common factor for all of them is that they are Mormon. They may be different levels of practicing, but they are all Mormon. She listed a few like the Scala Sisters, at Amber Fillerup, Jordan Page, the Bucket List Family, Al Carraway, and many more. In the article, Tanya Chen explains, quote, Many fashion and lifestyle influencers on Instagram are Mormon by their own declaration. But of course, it's unclear if every single person Emily Kim mentions is still practicing today. However, because many of them have spoken about their faith at some point, it's interesting to consider how that religious background has shaped the industry as we know it, at least the segment dominated by young, pretty white women, end quote. Called out. Nice. Yeah. So the article goes on and says, quote, Emily Kim explains that since the religion prioritizes women marrying and starting families young, blogging has become a natural outlet for people to share their domestic lives all with a coat of glamour and it allows them to generate income without having to compromise their duties at home. The way Mormon women have used the internet to manage these basic needs has come to define a huge portion of the influencer culture we consume and criticize today. College-educated women are putting aside other aspirations in favor of being a stay-at-home mom, and I think it's a natural inclination in that role to seek an outlet that lets them feel creative, organized, in control, and social, Kim says. Blogging started doing that a decade ago, and it has evolved into the influencer culture within Mormonism that we see today, end quote. I dug deeper because I wanted to know more. Bring it. In another article from also October 2021 by The Christian Century, Don Arujo Hawkins writes, quote, it didn't take long for advertisers to realize that the digital communities created by mom bloggers like Jordan Page and later social media influencers represented a veritable goldmine. Mothers control 85% of household purchases in the United States with their spending power topping $2.4 trillion. In the mid aughts, many a hobby blog suddenly became a source of income for the women who ran them as brands decided to partner with them in an effort to reach their loyal and engaged audiences. For advertisers, it was a match made in heaven, and morphing women were quickly ruling the algorithm game. End quote. That's crazy. I know. So to like wrap this up a little, I looked up a couple of statistics and figures. Um, The first one is about Jordan Page. She started her finance blog in 2011 at age 24 Mm -hmm. after coming out of $15,000 in credit card debt while her husband started a new business. She decided to make a finance plan that worked for her and then shared it on her blog. Now, in 2021, she has her own company, which is called The Page Company. Uh It has 20 employees and is one of the 500 fastest growing private companies in the United States, according to Inc. Magazine. Not bad. Okay. Huh. Yeah. That's crazy. Crazy. The Bucket List family started traveling the world and documenting their travels in 2015, and they have grown to have 2.5 million followers on Instagram and 1.3 million subscribers to their YouTube channel. Before becoming travel bloggers, Garrett developed and sold an app to Snapchat while he was in college. What? And he sold it for $54 million. Oh my gosh. They don't
0: need money. They are set. For real.
1: So that's what like prompted them to start traveling. So from 2015 to 2018, they traveled full time and they documented everything as we know. And then in 2018, they decided to buy a house and settle in Hawaii with their kids. And now they just travel as often as they want to. But now they at least have a central location. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. And then the last one is the Scala Sisters or Scala. I don't know. I don't pay attention to influencers. And they started their own individual blogs in 2013. And they have since transitioned to Instagram. They call themselves quote, the Mormon Kardashians, end quote. Huh. I'll let you feel however you want to feel about that.
0: Okay, I have feelings.
1: There's four sisters. Emily is the oldest. She's the writer and creator of a lifestyle fashion blog called Ivory Lane. Rachel is the second sister. She is the writer and creator of a fashion blog called Pink Peonies. And then the younger sisters, Megan and Amy, are in high school. One is working on becoming a professional dancer, and the other is a volleyball star. And they are apparently really well known in Utah. Emily was connected to Real Housewives of Salt Lake City for their first season somehow, and she also had to promote it on her Instagram. They just have a ton of followers and they're really rich too now. Like I think one of them is estimated to be worth $40 million. Oh my god! So like... That's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. I mean,
0: honestly, yeah. I kind of thought like with, with blogging no longer being like the top form of media that we're consuming like that, things like this would continue to die out. But no, they can now turn to Instagram and especially TikTok. Like I found myself like finding a few videos of some Mormon related influencers and I didn't realize who they were or anything. I'd just be like, okay, cool. They're on a beach. Like, cool. Whoa. Their kids have super blonde hair. Like, okay. Like keep scrolling. Cause that's not my typical, um, not what I'm looking for on TikTok, but I think I think it might have been Emily Kim who like who's been doing a ton of research on Mormon influencers. Yep, <laughs> and she'd be like, okay, here's this connection, and here's this connection, and here's like, okay, so these are like twin sisters, and this is what they're doing, and we're pretty sure like she's left the church, but we don't know, and then we're gonna guess the baby names of like the next baby they're gonna have. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like insane like if you want juicy gossip stuff like that's definitely a place to go sometimes I'll get like sucked and I'm like okay this is interesting like very much now but otherwise I'm like not super like I'm not typically like following a ton of like typical influencers and everything, but it is a very fascinating world. And I mean, a lot of people do play it off as like super basic. Like, okay, they're just seeing pictures of themselves or eating food or something like, yeah, I get that. That's kind of boring. But the fact that they've been able to make a lifestyle, a very successful lifestyle that way, like that's impressive. Like we can't just write it off because we think it's crazy if we think it's crazy. But it is a very fascinating thing. And I don't I don't know. It's like it's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah, but
1: it's it's wild, goodness, fascinating, but wild. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't think that there were that many of them. I thought there was like okay, five, sure. Oh, there's more. There's even more. So many more. Crazy. All right. Cool. That's it. The things you learn. Yeah. All right. Well, that was everything we've got for this episode of our spiritual and scandalous scoop. I feel like more of it was more entertaining than super scandalous. Um, but. I feel like it's still very jazzy. Very fun.
1: Yeah. It's really just a fun time for us to, like, research weird things, share our findings yes. with everyone, and then laugh the entire way <laughs> through, which we did today. Yeah. Yes. Very good. <laughs> We're sure we got a ton of information incorrect in this week's episode, but we trust that you all will let us know if you caught anything. Please do. But also, if you know anything wacky, not widely known, or other lore and fun facts about the church or church culture or really anything else that you want to share, let us know on Twitter or Instagram at Potatoes Ward or email us at FuneralPotatoesForTheSingles at gmail.com. We would love to hear those stories and fun facts. We
0: really would. You don't understand how much we want to know the juicy gossip here so <laughs> feel free to send that along at literally any time. yeah and we do want to leave off one note before we do close out we do have our book club episode coming up soon it is going to be at the end of this month so we do invite you to still read the book with us it is going to be queer mormon theology by blair osler and it is already an incredible book we talked about this a lot last year so Please feel free to join in with us. Yeah. And with that being said, we will see you all next week. Yes. Bye. Bye.